I want you to turn in your Bibles to the book of Romans, and uh, we're going to look at Romans chapter 6 today. This is Easter Sunday, a resurrection day, and so we want to preach a message that that uh, is um, connected to that, of course, obviously, but from a little different angle than normal, you know, we... We know we know the story, Amen. That the on this day, over two thousand years ago, that the uh, the stone was rolled away, and 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 Jesus rose from the dead, and 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 picked up his body. That was really the day he picked up his body on that day, and came out of that came out of that tomb. Praise God. And I've been in that tomb. On a Israel tour, and I'll tell you, he's not there. Praise the Lord. There's no need to go. I've, I've seen people sit there and cry. It's sort of ridiculous. I've cried tears of joy at that tomb, but not tears of sadness. There, I've seen people in there crying like, oh, he was laid here. He died. I'm thinking, you're missing the point of the empty tomb. That's a, that's a, that's a place of rejoicing. And it might be emotional. I got emotional there. But uh, my goodness, it's emotional. But it's not a place to weep and be sad. It's a place to rejoice. Today is a rejoicing day. Hey, hallelujah. And so, you know, you think about, well, I need to overcome this and that and the other. Well, praise God, I'm telling you, we have the overcomer of all things living inside of us through the Holy Spirit. Amen. Jesus said, I've overcome the world. I've overcome the whole world. Everything, anything, and all things (laughs) that could come against, he's already overcame. He overcame sin. He overcame sickness. He overcame death. He overcame poverty. uh, Because he was stripped of everything. You know, a man on death row was stripped of everything they have in this world including their breath. But finally, he overcame it all. Amen. And he reigns supreme. And he's not poverty-stricken Jesus sitting on a homemade bench up in heaven. He's he's uh he's on the gilded throne. Amen. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Glory. So that means that we are with him. I'm going to show you how to connect how do I, you might ask, how do I connect to the resurrection today and make it more real for me? Uh, let's start at Romans 6, verse 1. This is for everybody who accuses grace preachers of encouraging people to sin by living in grace, uh, which is a lie. I don't know one preacher saying that, but yet it's the accusation. But it says here, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Amen. I always say the cemetery is the safest place in town. Now, children are scared to death of cemeteries, you know. Ooh, that's where all the dead people are. It's like, that's right. They're the safe ones. It's the live people you have to watch out for, <laughs> right? They're the ones that can inflict harm upon you. 
But the dead ones, we don't worry about dead people breaking curfew. We don't worry about dead people stealing. We don't worry about dead people coming in and doing something unseemly. So we're dead to sin. Isn't that, that's, that, that's, you know, that's the best relationship that you can have concerning this, the subject of sin. I've heard preachers, again, the anti-grace club, I've heard them say, what about sin? We need to preach on sin. I always say, I'm glad you brought that up. My Bible says that old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And, uh, in fact, hold your place there in Romans. Let's look at that. Because we need to talk about being resurrected. See, sin, it, sin and death are the same, are synonymous. Sin and death are synonymous. Spiritual death, we're talking. So we've overcome death. We've overcome sin. Second uh, Corinthians five. Um, and verse uh, seventeen. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. And all things are of God, who hath reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ, hath given to us the ministry of reconciliation, to wit that God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them, and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Now, Jerry Lee, if you'll put that up there so I can read it <laughs> uh, on the Amplified, Look at this. It was God personally present in Christ, reconciling and restoring the world to favor with himself, not counting up and holding against men their trespasses, but canceling them. I love that, canceling them. And committing to us the message of reconciliation, of the restoration to favor. Now notice the word canceling. So people say, I want, I want to hear a good message on sin. We need to gather our old fashioned message on sin. Okay, here's your old fashioned message on sin. This is pretty old. It's about 2000 years old here. Us uh, is old as dirt, isn't it? Praise the Lord. It says canceling them. Here's the message on sin. Mine's canceled. How about yours? Amen. Now, if yours, if you want to hold on to yours, you can have them, and I'll give you mine too if it makes you feel any better. Praise the Lord. You can just wallow in sin. What is it? Here I'm back on my hobby horse, aren't I? My soapbox. What is it about so many religious people that they want to retain sin consciousness? They want to have sin conscious altar calls. Like I said, I, a friend of mine who I, you know, I, uh, what's the word I want to use? I honor his ministry and, and, and acknowledge it. But he gave the worst altar call I ever heard one time in a church, a, a big church, about 20, 2200 people sitting there, I understand. They had a head count. And he gave an altar call for salvation. 
Well, about two people came down, and I heard somebody whisper in the church that the one guy that came down wasn't quite right in the head, and he comes every time. So they can't do anything about him, kind of pat him, you know, make him feel better. So then you got this one person. We don't know who he is. Maybe he's a new birth. Well, that looks bad. You can't have an altar call that looks that bad with 2,000 people. So you now you start adding the, the sin-conscious altar call. Well, there's sin in your life. Well, you know, my my uh, my wife was sitting there, and I grabbed her arm, and I said, come on, we're going. And she said, would you shut up, you know, sit down, quit your, your, you know. I said, well, he said, if there's sin in your life, and we both know that we have problems. So, you know, you think about it, somebody giving an altar call, is there sin in your life? Well, that would be everybody there if you're counting behavioral problems. The whole place should stand up and go forward, including the guy giving the altar call. But I know what they mean, you know, the big stuff. Well, even some of them don't go because, you know, they're they're hiding things. Anyway, I know too much about too many people. Anyway, here comes the, you know, here comes your sin in your life. You've been sinning and you know you need to get down here. Well, then they all go down there and they look like absolute whipped dogs. Standing there looking at the floor, you know, everybody's feeling bad at them. Oh, my God. And you're wondering, aren't you? Everybody's wondering. wonder what they did. Well, so then if you don't get enough up for that, then you got to add to it and say, start naming sins. Well, you've been drinking. You've been smoking. You've been dancing. You've been not doing that, but you want to do it. I mean, you know, it just never ends. All the individual things that they think is sin, so they, uh, that all comes and gathers down front. And then it's not enough yet, so then this one was the best thing I ever heard. Was, uh, well, you, you haven't been sinning, but you've been hanging around people that do. Now, when I heard that, I said out loud on my row with other preachers sitting there, I said, well, there goes Jesus. Down the aisle, you know, you've been, cause he hangs out with sinners. I said, well, there goes, well, the sad thing is, is the whole place should have, should have gotten up and gone down there because how do you win the lost and avoid sinners? That's another, that's another catch 22 the church has. Avoid sinners, now win the world. Well, you know, those two things don't go together. So I imagine our witnessing should look like us all in Tyvek suits with beekeeper mask on with gloves and uh, uh, an extension stick and a track on the end of it. I will lay the track down back away. Because I'm a Christian and I can't get near you. You're dirty, ew. I'm sorry, that's the message that's preached a lot. Because, you know, a person gets saved. Now, avoid sinners. My father, when he became a believer, he got saved in a Nazarene church. Praise the Lord. And uh, he said he went right back to the same bar he always went to because that's the only people he knew <laughs> were his bar buddies. And he went back there, and he they said, you know, you want a drink? He says, no, I'm I'm giving that up. But he said, I'll tell you what. He says, I'm going to sit here while you have yours and tell you what happened to me yesterday. They said, well, you do look different. Something's wrong. He said, "It's the no, for the first time, something's right. 
and he shared Jesus. He got like two out of his three drinking buddies saved at the bar. On the bar. Now, if he'd have been to some churches I know today, he would have been told, you know, the caution club would have gathered around him and warned him, now don't go back over there now, whatever you do, you know. Because they're scared, they're superstitious, absolutely scared to death of sinners. We don't need to be afraid of sinners. They need to be afraid of us. Praise God. In other words, the darkness doesn't, uh, the light doesn't hide from the darkness. The darkness hides from the light. Preach, Brother David. Now, I understand if you've got, you know, drug addiction and all whatever the else that you have, you know, going on, uh, that, you know, there may be some wisdom, but you understand what I mean of generally speaking, we got to be talking to people. <laughs> well, I said, there goes Jesus. Remember the, the bad altar call. You haven't been sinning, but you've been hanging around people that do. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. So this is word of faith, word of faith altar call in a word of faith church. Imagine that. So talking about a bad confession, Jesus, all the alarms should have gone off and the sprinkler system come on. He goes, well, you haven't been sinning, but you've been hanging around people. So a few people get up and go down there. And I said, well, there goes Jesus. In other words, he's in, he should be in the altar call for hanging around sinners. And some preacher's wife that didn't know me turned to our friend and said, who is that that keeps talking out? And she said, that's that David Horton. He's always saying things. And I leaned over and I said, somebody needs to say something. <laughs> So they moved me. The next night I was moved to like a few rows back in the seating. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I think they thought I was a, and then Brother Hagen had me, this is Brother Hagen's meeting. Brother Hagen had me come up and do something that night. So then the next night I'm on the front row. It was crazy. It was like, we don't know what to do with this guy. He seems to have favor, but he talks out and I don't know. That's great, isn't it? They still don't know what to do with me. Where do we put him? Where do we put him? Praise the Lord. Anyway, talking about since he, uh, uh, back to Romans 6 too, how shall we, our dead to sin, live any longer therein? Well, if our sins have been canceled, we don't have a sin problem. Oh, Brother Horton, let me tell you, I have a sin problem. I'm tempted to do this one nasty thing and I just can't stop. You don't have a sin problem. You have a sin consciousness problem. If you get your mind on Christ and over onto the finished work, you could overcome that. You can't do what you're not thinking about. Well, it ain't that simple, brother. Well, it ought to be. All right. Uh, verse 3. Now, here's where we go about why we can say we're dead to sin, right? Know ye not that so many of us, as were baptized into Jesus Christ, were baptized into his death. We've died with him. So you could say, I'm dead to sin. 
I'm dead to sickness and I'm dead to poverty because Christ has redeemed me from the curse. Glory to God. So we're now we've been, we've been baptized into his death. This is the, this is the concept too of communion that we are one with Christ in his death. And then therefore, verse four, we are buried with him by baptism into death. That like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Folks, it's not just resurrection day for Christ. It's resurrection day for believers. Hallelujah. We're risen in Christ. This isn't the day to be sin conscious. This is the day to be resurrection conscious and righteousness conscious. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, like virtual death for us, literal death for him, we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. All right? What about that old man that wanted to do the raunchy things? Okay, let's talk about it right here. Knowing this, he says, this is something you need to know. You need to know this. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need to know this. (laughs) Turn to your, we have virtual. I saw one church online that they went to the to the children's puppet ministry and they brought all their puppets out and sat them out stuffed animals could have blow up people you know like weebles knowing this that our old man this is something you need to know praise god I just killed one of the resurrection flowers. (laughs) Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. You need to know that. (laughs) Amen. Technical difficulties. (laughs) Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. You need to say that. You need to remember that. If you, if you've had a problem in your life with certain temptations, everybody deals with stuff. If you've had a problem in your life with certain temptations and you just really struggle with it, you need to know this and you need to confess this. You need to say, now that's a part of that old man that died and I am crucified. That part is crucified. You ever seen a crucifixion? I think they're playing all day long on one of the networks, Fox or something, this Passion of the Christ movie. If you, have, if you haven't ever seen that, you should watch that. I mean, I, I don't recommend showing it to real small children because it's pretty graphic. But, uh, you know, you could you can see that. And it's pretty gruesome what a crucifixion looks like. It's not just kind of hanging there, smiling and nodding. I mean, it's bloody. 
And uh, it's blood and guts, to be honest. But, so, that's pretty violent. That old man, those old ways, those old temptations, those old problems. Now, any Christian that continues in a life of open sin, what we would call an open sinful lifestyle, their only problem is they haven't, they don't know this. Now, when it says you need to know it, that means experientially know it. Like if you know what it means when the Bible says that Adam knew his wife Eve. In other words, there was, there was, uh, experiential knowledge of what it means to be married, physically married. And so here you have, um, I believe experiential knowledge that our old man is crucified with him. Let's put that up there in the Amplified. That always makes it. See, we know, this is something we experientially know, that our old unrenewed self was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body, which is the instrument of sin, might be made ineffective and inactive for evil that we might no longer be the slaves of sin. Woo! Praise God forevermore. So people get in a prayer line, they'll say, would you pray that I won't have any more trouble with my flesh? Well, there's not a prayer for that. What there has to be is a mind renewal to the fact, and see, you know, Pastors got to the point years ago, they were expected to pray whatever cockamamie prayer somebody come up with. And if you didn't, you'd, you'd offend them. Well, I want this prayer prayed. Well, you can't, there's not a prayer for that. That's like somebody coming up and saying, uh, I've been four foot eleven my entire life and I'm sick of it and I want to be taller. Would you please pray? The Bible says, What man, by taking thought, can add any height to himself? Or one sister says, pray I won't have any more trouble with the devil. Well, a woman came up to R.W. Shambach and said, would you pray I won't have any more trouble with the devil? He says, yeah, I got a prayer for that. Oh, good. I knew if anybody helped me, it'd be you. He laid hands on her and said, kill her, Lord. And she said, don't pray that. And he says, well, that's the only way I can pray you won't. If, if you're alive on the planet, you're going to have some issues, you know, where the devil's concerned. Do you follow me? So you can't pray this away. You don't pray this away. You accept the fact of what has spiritually happened to you through the new birth. And you, if you don't believe it, it's because your mind has not been renewed to it. All right. Therefore, we are. Um, where, where are? Where am I? Verse six. Yeah. Okay. We shall. So we're in the, the we're in the likeness of that. Now look at verse. Let's look at um, verse seven. In also and eight. Actually, we're going to read verse 7 
through 14 in the Amplified, okay? For when a man dies, he is freed, loosed, and delivered from the power of sin among men. This is the sin sermon. If you want to know what to do with sin, preach this. Not sin is bad. You know, I've had these, I've seen especially a lot of our Pentecostal churches, they'll put up there, I like the sermon Sunday. Our pastor is not afraid to call sin, sin. What does that even mean? I don't know what that means. I guess they're calling out individual behavioral problems. Sometimes the, I won't even go there. It's ridiculous. It's like, he's not afraid to call sin, sin. What does that mean? I don't even know what that means. Uh, sin is sin. But here's how, I mean, are they, are these people Christians? How is it dealt with? By promising to do better? Making a decision, I'm gonna be better now? How many's ever done that? It's called the New Year's resolution. That lasts till about January 3. They say gym memberships go up in the month of January, but not necessarily attendance. When a man dies, he is freed, loosed, delivered from the power of sin among men. That's right. He can't, like I said, the guy in the cemetery can't commit any sin, can he? He's dead. Get it? (laughs) Let's keep reading. Verse 8. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Go to 9. Because we know that Christ, the anointed one, being once raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has power over him. The Bible says it's appointed once unto man to die. You die once. That's it. Okay, keep. let's keep going. For by the death he died, he died to sin, ending his relation to it. Woo! Well, Brother David, we need a good sermon on sin. No, because we don't have a real... This is the good sermon on sin. Here it is. We don't have a relation to it. We're not related to it. I'm grateful that I'm not related to uh, Charles Manson. Praise God. If you are, I'm sorry, but I'm not that I'm aware of. In other words, there's some bad folks that you're glad you're not related to. And there's some bad situations that you're glad you're not related to. That you didn't have anything to do with it. Amen? Well, we don't have anything to do with sin. We're dead to it. Ding dong, the witch is dead. Witch, oh witch, the wicked witch. Ending his relation to it. Once for all. We represent the lollipop. Sorry. And the life that he lives is living to God in unbroken fellowship with him. See, that kind of does away with that teaching that, uh, you know, if there's sin, that it, it, it doesn't break relationship, but it breaks fellowship. Well, not from God's 
viewpoint it doesn't. That's another bad doctrine. Oh, God, take that one on. They'll send Guido and Vito to my house in unbroken fellowship with him, because that's that's standard preach stuff too. Anything to hang on to control, that's the idea, isn't it? Even so, consider yourselves. Consider yourself. (laughs) That's from Oliver, isn't it? Consider yourself part of the family. All right. Even so, consider yourselves. In other words, you decide this. Dead to sin. I'm dead to sin. People, what about sin? Well, I'm dead to it. You obviously aren't. Bless your heart. (laughs) I'm so sorry. And your relation to it broken. If we're going to talk about broken relationships and broken fellowship, we need to do it in, in relation to sin, not Christ. But alive to God, living in unbroken fellowship with him in Christ Jesus. Now, there's whole groups of people who preach that you listen to (laughs) that talk about the the fellowship with God. Now, there's certain, depends on, depends on how, how bad the doctrine is. The real bad doctrine is that that committing a sin in your life breaks relationship with God to the point that you're no longer even a saint, and that's why you got to come get resaved every Sunday night. I can't agree with some of that. <laughs> then you move to the more enlightened people who say, "Well, it doesn't break relationship. That's bad." But it does break fellowship. So now we have constant fear of broken fellowship. Commit a sin, break fellowship. Got to restore, re, re, you're on and off. It's an on and off relationship really with God. On and off, on and off, on and off. I'm off, I'm on, I'm off, I'm on. But here it says that if you'll consider yourselves dead to sin and your relationship to it broken, but alive to God, you can live in unbroken fellowship with him. Wow. You know, you really get to the place where if you, if, if somebody examines your life, they could find very little wrong with it. Because the, the law is the strength of sin. And if you cut that off and cut off that condemnation, you're not even tempted. My cat, Lucy, If I try to keep her in the house, she'll watch for the door and bolt out. But if I open the door in the morning and just kind of leave the front porch open a little bit, she'll just go sit on the rug and sit there and look. It's like, because there's not a restriction, she doesn't even, it's no, there's no temptation. She's only tempted if she's not supposed to do it. There's the thrill. Well, Brother David, I guess you just don't care what happens. I never said that. Of course I care. 
God cares. The Apostle Paul cared. He was talking about fornication and, and all. He said, that shouldn't be named once among you. He said, in fact, he said, um, um, you that are committing this, you have forgotten who you are. But I'm sorry, he didn't tell them they were no longer a part of the body of Christ. And uh, we would love to be able to say that because there's fornicators we know that we don't like. You know who you are. Anyway, I love this living in unbroken fellowship with him in Christ. You got to be you got to stay in Christ if you're going to get any of this to work for you and have a benefit. Now, it's working for you as far as God's side. But, you know, you could have that and still live and sin consciousness and condemnation, right? And who's keeping the rules and who's not? Somebody said one time, uh, a friend of my dad's that wrote a great book uh, about grace and righteousness. He said, uh, legalism uh, lead, leads to, well, or sin, sin consciousness will lead to legalism. In other words, um, you, you'll start making rules for yourself and everybody else. And legalism will lead to judgmentalism, to where you're judging everybody according to the legalism. And then eventually that leads to just flat-out condemning people. I read yesterday on Facebook, somebody put... That how much they appreciated their pastor because he would go up the aisle and whisper into people's ear the sin he knew they committed to see if they'll go to the altar and repent of it. And they thought this was a great thing. I thought that is that that cannot be the spirit of Christ. I'm sorry, it's not. He might be accurate because familiar spirits will tell you that stuff too. Because they know things. But uh, that's not the spirit of Christ. That's the kind of church you want to carry a cross and garlic into. As you walk down the aisle to your seat, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I mean, it's pretty bad. Okay. <laughs> if You know, if this kind of preaching gets me voted off the farm, fine. Praise the Lord. I'll just live in the Garden of Eden. Um, where are we? Oh, okay, let's go to 12. Let not sin. See, this is something you can, you can control. How many would like to control if sin can reign or not? Yeah. But you don't do it by legalism. You do it by Christ consciousness. Let not sin therefore rule as king in your mortal short-lived perishable bodies to make you yield to its cravings and be subject to its lusts and evil passions. That's what we're talking about, how to do it. We all agree, we all agree, we're going to read this, we all agree that we need to do it. It's just how. Well, legalism is not the way. Christ consciousness is the way. 
Let not sin, or do not continue offering or yielding your bodily members and faculties to sin as instruments, tools of wickedness. But offer and yield yourselves to God as though you have been raised from the dead to perpetual life. And your bodily members, your your body parts, and faculties to God, presenting them as implements of righteousness. That your hands and feet don't rush to do wrong things. And your mouth doesn't say the wrong thing. And you don't, you know, use your eyes for lusting and that kind of thing. Amen? For sin shall not any longer. Here's the good news. This is all about the resurrected Christ living in us. Sin shall not any longer. Woo! Exert dominion over you. Since now you are not under the law as slaves, but under grace as subjects of God's favor and mercy. Now, stop there. That is the great wrap. That puts the bow on the package today. Because the people who say, who are living in immorality, I mean, they're living in adultery, they're living in fornication, they're, they're living in some other unsavory situation. Uh, and doing the wrong things, they say, well, I'm under grace. I'm under, that's, I can do all this because I'm under grace and God doesn't care. <laughs> you know, I mean, that's been the attitude of some people calling themselves grace people. But the Bible says that if you are living as slaves, you're under the law. You're not under grace because grace makes you, living under grace, makes you subjected to something really dark. (laughs) No, God's favor and mercy. Amen. So God's favor and mercy, we live in God's favor and God's mercy when we live under grace. And And therefore, sin shall not exert any longer dominion. So a guy who's committing adultery and so forth and being horrible, it could be a woman too. Uh, and they say they're under grace. They're liars. They're not under grace. Because sin is still exerting dominion over them. So they're not under grace. They don't have the right to claim that, that, that they're living under grace. They don't even have the right to do that. You want to say you're a liar. Well, I'm under grace. That's why I'm stealing from work or whatever. <laughs> You're not under grace. You're under the law and you're a slave to it according to the scripture and it's exerting dominion over you and you need to repent in this way. What does it mean to repent? Change your mind and stop believing and acting like you're believing and acting and start believing and acting something else. There's the, there's the answer for all those who say, well, what about sin when you preach grace? Well, there's the answer. You get anything out of this today? Okay, let's keep reading. Verse uh, uh, 15. What shall we, what shall, what then? Shall we sin? (laughs) Because we're not under the law, but under grace. He says, God forbid. Amen. 
See now, see, see, and then look, just jump down, just, just, we need to end this. Verse 18, being then made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. Wow. I'm a slave to grace. I'm a slave or a servant of righteousness. Doing, it's just, I, I enjoy doing the things that are pleasing to the Lord. I enjoy living the life that's pleasing to the Lord. How about you? Amen? Praise God. All right. Praise God. I'm going to pray for you again with one last prayer here, you that are watching by um, Internet. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you for our our uh, electronic congregation today. Lord, I thank you that right where they are, that that they are receiving healing, wholeness, blessing, favor, mercy, every good and perfect gift that cometh down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning, will just continue to flow to them. Those that feel like that they're having symptoms in their body of any illness, not just coronavirus, any kind of sickness, all disease, I command it to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your healing touch from the top of their head to the soles of their feet. In Jesus' name. Those, Lord, that um, have found you today as Lord and Savior through this broadcast, I thank you that they reach out to us by uh, email or uh, uh, through Facebook so that we can continue to encourage them. Lord, we thank you for your goodness and your grace. Lord, those that have financial need today, especially with this not being able to work business, Lord, I thank you for providing for them in some way uh, that you have a million ways to deliver us that we've never thought of. And I thank you for this, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen.